Right. Well, you know, this is episode one, then, I guess, of a uh, an infinite series, podcast, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, there's uh, a few topics that we're going to go over today, um, with obviously sport being uh, cut off right now. It's uh, a little bit difficult to find things to talk about, but I think there's kind of some important things that come out um in the footballing world at least um over the last month or so since since football stopped um first of all how are you how are you coping with everything uh not well um but you know haven't really got a choice have i um, have you no. have you been going on the man united website um for those rewind matches that they've been airing or no um no mostly twitter and um yeah it kind of it makes it's like um, typing in Trump and just like <laughs> just makes me sad, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I do it every day. Um, nah. No, it's 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 interesting being without it. Um, and by interesting, I mean terrible. But yeah, you know, greater good and all that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So so on that topic, in terms of you know being uh, without it and, and getting it back and stuff. Um, where do you see it like being able to actually come back um and you know kind of you know talk me through some some scenarios that you have uh for kind of realistic time frames and and what those things will look like and and where to go from here right um well first things first i'm not a an epidemic (laughs) with the information Um, you have today um you know yeah (laughs) <laughs> I think it depends on UEFA, really. I think the the various European leagues are going to be beholden to whatever guidance UEFA gives. The way I... What I think is going to happen is they're, they're going to resume the season at some point um, because, to me, to me, it depends on what's going to be uh, less awful legally and financially. Yeah. And I think that at some point... They'll have to resume it. Yeah. Um, that that's not going to happen for two more months at least. Yeah. And the UEFA, the UEFA president had previously said that if they don't get it started by the end of June, they're going to sack the whole thing off. Um, I think he's walked back on that since. Yeah. Probably because of the uh, inevitable wrath of Liverpool fans, um, but probably other reasons as well. <laughs> um, so. Uh, that, that's what I think. I think it's it's gonna it's gonna happen. Um, and the more the more I think about it, the more I think that's probably right. Even though that's the least funny outcome. Yeah. And sorry, it's not, it sounds horrible talking about something like that at the time like this. Nah, but you know, it, as United fans, it, it would be funny if uh, <laughs> Liverpool's first title in thirty yeah. years was just absolutely just marked off the record. Yeah, just yeah. pied off. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean. Uh, if it's looking like um, July, kind of August, would you look to do something and, and basically treat this period that we've had as their uh, time off, basically? Obviously, they've been on lockdown and, and I, I, yeah. I don't want to speak to the kind of uh, the mental side of things of being a professional athlete because I have no clue um, oh, as, I've, <laughs> as I've just wolfed down a cream egg. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I... It, let's say, for example, I, I saw that they said July, August. So, if it were to start in July, would you look to try and get those nine games um, 
played as quickly as possible. Do you think, well, I guess the next question would be, do you think they would just prioritise um, individual leagues in terms of Spain would prioritise their league, Italy and, and whatnot, yeah. and then just sack off the Champions League? Because it's a cup. It, it's um, it's, yeah. it's easier to just wipe that from existence for a year than, than leagues because there's, there's fewer kind of... Um, uh, headaches that come from it um, and obviously th- there's a financial benefit to winning the Champions League but um, you know there's an even bigger one from finishing in the top four in, in the in the bigger leagues around Europe so do you think they would just get rid of the Champions League and then arguably get rid of um, uh, uh, FA Cup and, and other domestic cup competitions? Yeah I think I'm going to start so many sentences in I think because it qualifies the nonsense that's going to come after it but <laughs> The first thing they'll do is they'll, they'll sack off the domestic cups. They, they have to. The financial um, ramifications aren't so great. Mm. Um, so they'll do that first. And then it depends on UEFA. Um, I think UEFA pulled strings. Obviously, the Premier League is very powerful, but it's going to ultimately come down to them. Because wh- I don't think they will. I think they'll continue the European competition personally okay i think there's i think there's too much money in it and what makes this so difficult is if if even one league voids and cancels Mm. i think the others will follow yeah so it's a very fragile situation obviously this is (laughs) it goes without saying but there's no precedent for this no No. one (laughs) no one knows what they're doing and whatever happens you're gonna piss off hundreds thousands of people no mm-hmm. matter what you do and someone's going to make to lose a lot of money um yeah. so i think they'll i think they'll continue with the champions league i'll i think they will resume the domestic leagues as much as possible as soon as possible yeah and but the, there's an interesting point i can't remember who it was who said it but there's going to have to be a consideration about um will the players need a pre-season before we resume, because you could say that they've had this time off, but the standard of football is going to be awful. Yeah. Everyone comes back. Yeah. I mean, I for one would love it, and I think it'd be a really good leveler to see who's come back from lockdown massively well, overweight. Imagine how Hazard's going to look after, oh, <laughs> after three months of just numbing on nonsense. Yeah, I think there's going to be a few. Remember when Henrik Mikatarian came back one season? <laughs> He's and he born. looked pregnant, but he had like a few weeks to work it off. Imagine when off you go, Dad. <laughs> back, back to work, earn your money. Um, yeah. So that would be good. Um, but that, that's what I think. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you think. Um, yeah. What so you think will happen. Yeah. So I think again, think. Um, there's kind of two scenarios to this. I, I think um, we could basically, yeah, uh, get some kind of time frame in June. Let's say, let's say, for example, if best case scenario. June is when teams can start to go back to training. Um, Obviously it's a much more closed environment. um, And then, you know, they're basically restricted some way, somehow from going from their home to training and back. And they're still kind of some kind of lockdown. Hopefully we're all out of this by the end of April because, you know, that's just the better thing. So it might not even be that, that strict, but then you basically allocate July to finish the season. Um, those nine games in just one month and they have to play two games a week. Um, They're able to do it during World Cups um, and for the most part, players in the Premier League are representing countries all over the world and, you know, they want to be able to 
be at a standard and a fitness level to be able to perform in a World Cup. So it shouldn't be too difficult for these players to be able to to take the month of June to get ready and then the, the month of July to finish out the season. And then I think um, there has to be a two-week pause from the previous season to the next because I don't think the players are going to need that three, four to five to six weeks or whatever it is when because other, other players come back from World Cups and they go on pre-season two weeks later um, and then a week and a half later, they're back into the league anyway. So I think if you just give players two weeks off to just reset their minds, if anything, and you start the league kind of mid to late August instead, um, then you're not too far off and you just have to condense a couple games throughout the season next season to to get everything working again, but I don't think that's too much of a headache. But I, I think the, the more interesting one, and this kind of ties into the World Cup that we're only two years away from, is if the league can't come back until September, October, which is what people have suggested is, is potentially possible anyway, um, then you basically finish out the season, take your time with it, and you finish it out leading up to December. And then I think the next two seasons run from January all the way through till October or whatever that time frame looks like. Because at the end of 2022, there's currently a World Cup in the middle of the season. Yeah. So I think if you're able to do it and say, right, well, the previous season just finished. Now the players are going to World Cup as they usually would anyway. That World Cup finishes in you know late December, January, whenever it's, it's scheduled to be. Um, and then you don't start a new season basically. So you're going to lose out on a season, but, but within that time frame of January to, to August, you teams can go on their pre-seasons, you know, from end of June as they normally would pretty much. Um, so basically from February to May, let's say, um, you, I don't know, maybe run some charity kind of mini tournaments and things like that. It's almost like a pre-season, but they stay within their respective countries or within Europe at least. Um, and then they can do their wider ranging kind of, preseason which is more for marketing anyway um but i just and then the season starts again in 2023 in august and you you haven't really missed too much because i I, otherwise because i i don't think they can scrap this season i think they've come too far um and like you said there's so many legal and financial difficulties that come with basically saying oh well you've played 29 games a tough tough luck (laughs) basically um, yeah. and, and I don't think that's honestly, I, even as a United fan, I don't think that's fair on Liverpool. Um, they are, you know, based on how well they were doing, at least, well, not, not just before the, the shutdown, um, how well they were doing. They were basically two games away um, mm-hmm. from, from sealing this thing. Um, you know, two wins needed for them for the most part of the season. That's meant two games. Um, mm-hmm. So they're not going to need all nine. So it would be, drastically unfair if they if they lost out um so I, yeah i just think it's i think ideally it would be july they finish the season within a month um and then the new season starts a month later there's no pre-seasons because that's too much movement of people anyway um and and that's my difficulty with the, with the european competition too is is the movement of people everything will obviously have to be cl- behind closed doors i imagine anyway mm. um but if it's just the teams and the staff flying over because the games are behind closed doors, then I don't think it's as much of a problem. But if you've got all these fans, 5,000 fans, whatever it is, going to different stadiums around the continent, you're you're causing problems, aren't you? 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just listening to you say that, I mean, we're two idiots, basically. <laughs> we're just... We're just uh, why, why don't you just do no pre-season? <laughs> why isn't, big mini tournament somewhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're just spitballing. No, um, no idea how it's going to work. I, mean, I, mean, so I, I like to, to think some, somewhere Set Blatter is saying, probably maybe in a prison cell, like, this is why I <laughs> took all those bribes because I wanted a Winter World Cup. <laughs> um, so actually, the, the real hero is Set Blatter. Yeah, um, exactly. It, it's, it's, it's a mess, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I, and, the, and the thing is, they, they can't even contingency plan. Um, no. For a while, but there's because there's no point. Um, there's already clubs, for better or for worse, um, allowing the government to pay some of the yeah. staff wages. Yeah, that's which ridiculous. I think is abhorrent. Yeah, um, that's a good word. But, uh, <laughs> it's it's I, yeah. I, I don't know. All I know is that it's just it's not a good time to be a sports fan. But yeah. also, all I know is that. It's all it's all for the best. It's all the right decision. So, yeah, we'll see. yeah. I, just, I just miss it. I just miss it so much. Bro. Yeah, me too. I mean, and we've got all this time at home where we could be watching games whilst working, but with the game on in the background. Yeah, yeah working ish. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, and now there's not there's no sport. It's not even like just football's gone because there's some yeah. football specific virus going around. It's everything. Uh, uh, there's nothing. Everything um, I like. Is yeah. Finished. Yeah, exactly. So, and then obviously, you know, with things being cancelled and, and that kind of takes us into into the next um, topic, basically, which is a, a bit more um, analytical, but ultimately still just two idiots spitballing, um, is obviously the Euros have been moved to next um, summer. Um, so given that there's now going to be a year more um, under the belt of some younger, more inexperienced players, you know, potentially Greenwood. Um, mm-hmm. What, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it would be an interesting kind of thing for us to, to try to come up with our combined um, England 11, basically, starting from, yeah. from the goalkeeper. So um, I guess, you know, who would your nomination for a uh, goalkeeper be? Um, this is going to be really fun. I mean, I'm, I do remember... Um... Topic. What sort of a topic? The Daily Mail did something um, after like the 2006 World Cup. Yeah. They tried to predict the 2010 yeah. England team. And it's like, well, Walcott will be captain. Yeah. Um, Ravel Morrison <laughs> will play. Yeah. <laughs> like Ryan Tunnicliffe. It was just an absolute shower. Yeah. Um, so this is a quarter as bad. Yeah. Um, so I think. Ravel Morrison was 2010 going to 2014, I think, when they tried to do it. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It doesn't matter. They, none of, none of yeah, them it was all um, way off. <laughs> was, yeah, I think like Sean Wright Phillips made it. But <laughs> um, I think the goalkeeper will be Dean Henderson. Um, yeah. Because he, will, I don't think he'll return to United. Yeah. He'll stay at Sheffield United. And, um, this is so strange because he could have an absolute stinker of a season. But let's say Henderson in goal. Mm-hmm. Um, then it depends on if he does the three at the back, five at the back he did at the World Cup. But the reason I think he did that is because there was just such an, a paucity of midfield options, mm-hmm. which I don't think have really been fixed yeah. in the positions that yeah. need to be fixed. 
so I wouldn't be surprised to see him do the same again. Okay, um, so let's okay, yeah. So let's let's go on the basis of three at the back, five at the back, whatever you want to call it. But so who you who are you having at right wing back then? Let's try and do at this. Right wing back will be Alexander Arnold. Yep. That that to me is obvious. Yep. At left wing back, I think will be Ben Shilwell. Okay. Um, see, but I yeah, I, I don't. I think. Um, there's an argument that um, well, it'd be interesting. To, I, I kind of want to go for one which is realistic, um, but also a little bit um, fantastic. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. So it's like so. Um, I, I, yeah, if Brandon Williams, if a year, if a year more under his belt, um, do you think he has a chance? Then that one's not got a chance. I mean. Because I don't think Chilwell's had a good season, even even though Leicester have to an extent. Yeah, I just think he'll he'll if the season was if it was this season, he, I think he would have picked Ben Chilwell. Yeah. So I have I have to go with that. Okay. Um, Brandon Williams, there's no guarantee he's going to be United's left back next season. Um, yeah. And towards the end of the season, he was starting to plateau a bit. Maybe that's mm-hmm. the. The, the density of games he has to play, which he, yeah. he was never expected to do. So, yeah. who knows? I, I like the idea. I mean, there's, there's absolutely no reason why not. I mean, I think Danny Ings was getting relatively close to being called up, and no one would have predicted that. Yeah. yeah. So, but there's no reason to say why it won't be Brandon Williams. It just it won't be Brandon Williams. Yeah, no, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate a bit, trying to, um, you know, toy with ideas. So, right, um, right sided. Centre back of the three centre backs. Then now, this is where I might go a bit. Yeah, because I think I might be on the same wavelength as you. I was going to go left field, but let's do right field. Um, so at the World Cup, he went with Carl Walker, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So he could do that, but I think he might go with Wambasaka. I think so too, because there's a good chance. I mean, Wambasaka's strength is his defending, mm-hmm. so there's no reason why he, as a right He's he's more of a right centre back than a right yes. wing back in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, and he's a very good one on one defender. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he'll play. Mm-hmm. Um, could be Kyle Walker. Could be well. Could be any number of players. Yeah. But that's who I think. I think I think, think... Wambasaka's <laughs> potentially um, an amazing centre back, even just of two, just because how good he is. Um, at tackling, <laughs> I think his yeah. his his positional sense would need to get better um, if he was playing as two. But when he's got if he's part of a five or a three, I think he's allowed that freedom to an extent. Of you know, mm-hmm. if I make a mistake, I've got someone on the inside. So who do you think that central one then would be? This is where it gets a bit difficult because I think if it was a two centre backs, I think he would have gone with Joe Gomez and Harry Maguire. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, he'll go with those two as well. I don't know which one should be central, which one should be left. I haven't seen much. Like, I haven't seen enough of Liverpool's game to know exactly who's the right and left centre back for Liverpool. But I think Joe Gomez I think, is on the right. I think Joe Gomez is right. Yeah. So and Maguire plays on the left of the, of yeah. the two for United. So that kind of gives you your answer. Mm-hmm. But then, would you not want your most senior centre back? Yeah. Centre. That I don't, I don't. I don't even know how much it matters. Yeah. Yeah, so um, obviously he's a. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. Um, do you not think that 
if Brandon Williams isn't United's left back because it's Luke Shaw, given how well Shaw was playing when Solskjaer decided to revert to that three, Luke Shaw at left side of centre back almost looked like he should play in a back five as a left sided centre back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So do you not think that um, experience wise Shaw might might be able to put his hand up there? Because I think Maguire he can play the ball um, well. Um, I think he's the more physical one. I think you want that in the in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's that kind of toss up of between, as you said, Joe Gomez um, and and Luke Shaw, and then I guess to play devil's advocate. Um, and I haven't watched enough of Liverpool, and I'm sure you know any Liverpool fan listening to this would um, butcher me if I. Turned off by now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I don't know how good Joe Gomez is. The fact that Matip can come in and 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 do okay, um, and and their defense doesn't look that much. It's just, I think it's just it's because of how good Van Dyke is that it makes me question those around him. Do you know what I mean? Like Robert Robertson's <laughs> yeah, yeah. very good because he gets crosses in, and so does Trent Alexander Arnold. But is it are they afforded the ability to put more crosses in and be more attacking because they look backwards and there's basically Terminator back there? Mm-hmm. Um, with a man bun exactly yeah. so so you know so are you going to lock in Gomez then uh, rather than Shaw yes yeah yes. you're you're asking me and I'll say yeah I think Luke Shaw if, if it were tomorrow I think would make it I mean we are essentially making this up mm-hmm. if, if Southgate wants the option to go four at the back or five at the back for the reasons you've said about Luke Shaw I think he'd be in the squad yeah because he allows you a bit of flexibility mm-hmm. and it might be um, it depends. It might depend on the formation that Ulster and what like to play with United. Yeah. If if he kind of feels that that three at the back is a genuine option for a number of games, not just the big one. Yeah. He, Luke Shaw might get a lot more exposure at left centre back, and he he seems um, in a top team. Luke Shaw has actually been a bit better in that role than he has been as a left back. Yeah. Particularly against teams where you'd expect United to break teams down because he's. I just don't think he has the physicality to consistently get up and down mm-hmm. um, as a left back. Yeah, so I think he'd go go. I don't. You know, England are in this interesting position where they've got um, a number of options in certain positions and a dearth of options yeah. in others. Uh-huh. And this is this is part of where the, the three at the back was born out of last year. Yeah. Trying to mitigate the inherent weaknesses in your team and trying to call out your strengths. That's why Kyle Walker and um, well, it's actually Kieran Trippier played in the World Cup. Remember Kieran Trippier? Yeah. Who's, um, he's been at Atletico Madrid this season, probably learning all sorts of dirty tricks from <laughs> Simeone, but yeah. he's probably England's fourth choice right yeah. at the moment. Um, so he's just got all these options on the right, none on the left. It reminds me of um, the early 2000s where they had to have Trevor Sinclair at the left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, Beckham, yeah, Gerrard, Skulls, yeah. Sinclair. Or you force, you force Skulls left to to try and desperately make Gerard and um, and Lampard work as a as a midfield too, uh, which just yeah, <laughs> which was just cack. But all right, so so then um, who are you having? And, and you know, based on this, um, two up top and and three in a kind of um, what would that be? Like a, a triangle type thing, right? In the cent- with the with the defensive mid and, and two central midfielders then ahead, and then two strikers. No, I'd actually go with five, two, three. Okay. Um, the 
front three is easier because it's it's more established. Yeah. There's, well, there's, there's four genuine options now, of which there might be more at the end of the season. Jordan Henderson will definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's becoming apparent that, um, skill wise, he's a he's obviously not a superstar, but no, actually, but it's time that people start yeah. to appreciate. How good he is! Well, he's, he's won the Champions League, and, yeah. and he's a bit of a um, he's a bit of a keen. But I don't want to kind of insult keen. But it, no, it, but he's great in the summer. Ex- yeah, exactly. Like talent wise, good. Obviously, you can't you can't be a Champions League winner, World Cup player, and Premier League winner basically um, without being very talented. But he, he a lot like Keane, um, relies a lot on his leadership and his. Um, his qualities in that sense. So yeah, I think as you said, Henderson is is there. Um, and then who have you got alongside him then? Then I have no idea. Okay, because it, they're none. They're none of the options are that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's what's going to be the difference, I think, between England being a contender and ultimately a pretender. Yeah. Um, Lingard got into this re- team last year. Exactly, and. England are a good side and improving all the time. Let's not kid ourselves that they're that great yet because you look at the midfield options and there's there's no match winners in there. And you, you the, uh, the benefit of this system is that you can kind of hide workmanlike, um, efficient, dependable central midfielders yeah. and are going to win you the game. Anyway, I'm digressing because I'm trying to get myself so, time. Yeah, so um, I, I have an out-of-the-box suggestion just because I think there is just such a a gap next to Henderson because I don't think mm. I don't think Deli Ali can do it. Um, no. Again, if he ever listened to this, he'd be like, "Yeah, I could do it, mate. Don't worry." <laughs> um, yeah. But I would be intrigued to see. Um, I don't know if I actually want to put his name down on this on this piece of paper that I have for this starting eleven. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm very prepared. Um, it's only got a few creases in it, not too many. Um, so, okay. Let's say, for example, Jude Bellingham goes to Dortmund United Mm -hmm. and um, plays, you know, and performs well. The fact that he's played, what, something like 30 games in the championship, a very physical league uh, at the age of 16, Mm -hmm. he's already six foot. So I don't think there's anything to do with physicality. And I think the fact that, Gomez is going to have another year under his belt. Chilwell's experienced. Henderson's experienced. Trent's experienced. The front three ahead of him that I have in mind, and I think you're going to say, sorry, TAA, Trent Alexander-Arnold, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, and then obviously he's playing alongside Hendo. Uh, (laughs) um, Do you not think that there's a potential that if he gets a decent amount of game time, he is that player that belongs in that slot next to Henderson? Like it, Granted, it may come too early for him, but in two or three seasons' time, when he's twenty, how he looks and the type of box-to-box, you know, um, player that he seems to be, that could be the slot. And I wonder whether or not Southgate would. And it all depends on transfers, because if he's still playing for Birmingham in the Championship, then I don't think it's going to happen, obviously. But if he's playing mm-hmm. Champions League football with Dortmund or hopefully United. And he's getting into some games, and he may not be first choice, um, but he's getting a good amount of experience. Do you not think there's a there's a potential that he could fill that role because of how he plays rather than the experience level? Uh, absolutely, there's a, 
there's a chance. I think, like you said, I think it's more likely he breaks into the team um, Qatar 22 mm-hmm. um, or wherever the 24 euros. Yeah. Are. Um, I, I feel it's unlikely. I feel like he'd he would have to go to Dortmund. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because if he stays at Birmingham, won't make yeah. it. If he goes to United, won't play enough games for United. Yeah. Um, he, he just won't. And even with Dortmund, with their record of um, trusting and developing young players, he's 16. Yeah. He might be 17 now. I don't think he's going to get that many games at, at, at Dortmund if he goes. It's a difficult one because I think, like you, I think everyone wants it to work. The same reason everyone, everyone's desperate for Phil Foden to yeah. um, get more game time, but for reasons I can't fully explain, he's not. Um, which is which is fine. That's that's Guardiola's prerogative, but it feels odd that he kind of pumps yeah. his tires a lot and then doesn't play him. But anyway, um, so absolutely. I mean, if he has a good season, he might go in the squad. You tend to have one wild card, yeah. young player, yeah. Um, yeah. In the squad who who might set the world on fire. Um, so absolutely, why not? I mean, I I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah. but I mean, it's your piece. Yeah, but it's it's also times like this that I wish McTominay then had chosen to represent England rather than Scotland. Because I think I think a, he would get in that yeah. slot. That is a hard Brexit central. <laughs> yeah. um, so <laughs> with what's there to who, who are we putting in then? Who are we locking in? Um well I I, I would actually consider um Oxo Chamberlain. Okay. Um yeah. <laughs> A, li- a little too offensive for what you'd want in your midfield too. Yeah. But now he's fully back from injury, playing more and more under Klopp. Mm-hmm. I think Klopp sees him in his first choice midfield three. Mm-hmm. You want the opportunity for chemistry between club mates yeah. in those key positions. Um, for example, Maguire and Shaw mm-hmm. or... Um, Maguire, Wan-Bissaka. Yeah, there's little. Com- I makes it sound like I'm trying to make it like FIFA Ultimate Team, but I think there is a benefit to no, knowing for sure. your yeah, yeah. immediate person on the pitch is going to be. Yeah. So Oxford Chamberlain will be in the squad mm-hmm. if it was tomorrow. So he'd be my choice. I mean, there's arguments for Mason Mount, um, yeah. for Harry, Harry Winks, if you want someone a bit more metronomic, a bit more reliable, but I don't think he's quite kicked on. Mason Mount's a great shout. For depending mm-hmm. on because this year he's had a very good season. Are we missing mm-hmm. someone though, or do you think he might be too attacking, James Madison? Um, yeah, I think James Madison would make the squad. I think he'd be too attacking though, yeah. and I think same with Mason Mount. I think yeah. I hate using this. I hate using this terminology, but I feel like the two of them, likewise Jack Green, yeah. who's worth a shout, are kind of number eight yeah. slash number tens, and I think what England need is like a number six slash number yeah. eight. Um, someone a bit like it doesn't have to be as defensive as Kante, for example, but someone like I don't know, Fabregas. Yeah, <laughs> ridiculous yeah, Tony Cruz. You know, someone who who operates a little deeper, yeah. has a little a, a sufficient physicality to pop up behind the top front three, but provide cover when your wing backs go. Yeah, down. and all of the options we've listed 
are missing at least one yeah. of those. If you've got five at the back, you might be able to be a bit more offensive, yeah. which is why if it were me, I'd go for Watford okay. Chamberlain. But uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not unhappy with that. And that was a name that was in my head. I just obviously he hasn't played for uh, well, like a year and a half. It feels like, um, and then mm. obviously with this break too. So I've kind of forgotten how utilised he yeah. was in that midfield. But yeah, if, if he stays fit and healthy next season, how Klopp plays him, yeah, it probably will be. You know, club mates, they know each other, they trust each other, they know how each other plays. And I think that's probably the right shout. So, all right, yeah, so let's put that in then. Um, and then, so, right wing. This is this is where it's, England have got options, but that makes it, that doesn't make it any easier to select a, a three. Um, f- for me, there are four standout players competing for these three slots. So, Kane, yep. Rashford, Sterling, Sancho. Yep. Um, there's others who could gate crash, yeah, Mason Greenwood. You could even have um, Tammy Abraham. Yep. Why, why yep. not? I, I don't no, I don't so. see it. Um, Phil Foden. <laughs> I don't see it. As a, as a right winger. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's loads you could pick. For, for me, if I'm trying to predict who's going to have the best season, um, I would say Rashford. Sancho and Kane, yeah. um, which feels bizarre because Raheem Sterling had an unbelievable 2019, bit of a crap 2020. Yeah. So, so you don't know. And every each one of those four has their merits and each one of them has a potential um, drawback. Um, Harry Kane, obviously, is a number nine. Yeah. The best centre yeah. And forward captain. So that's world. guaranteed. So he's guaranteed, but is he a little? I mean, obviously a little, a little more injury prone historically, a little less um, kind of physical in terms of his pace, mm-hmm. um, a, a little less fluid. I mean, the idea of having Rashford, Sterling, and Sancho as a quick, dynamic, interchangeable front three—they seem to be the best, maybe combination of players. But I think you need to have your talisman. So I, at the moment, I'd leave out. Sterling. Yeah, I think I would too. Um, simply because I think Sancho is going to continue to um, go through the gears. There's talk of him going to United, which might scupper it because you have to come United by a really expensive attacking player there. <laughs> um, but that's that's the three I'd go for. Yeah. But, no, I, I'm I'm on the same um, thought process there because I think I don't want to downplay, you know how much improved Sterling is and, and you know, mm-hmm. a good player that he is. Um, and also, like you said, if Sancho comes to United, um, you know, he could end up being poisoned by United like everyone else. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. I also argue that Sterling's position seems to be left wing. But that, to me, under Southgate has been Rashford's. And based on how mm-hmm. Rashford played this season up until his back injury, he was arguably top five in Europe at left wing um, mm-hmm. with how many goals he was scoring granted some from the penalty spot but he takes players on he's got a great shot he can take free kicks he's physical he's fast so I think he just has more attributes than Sterling and I think a lot of the goals that Sterling scores are from a benefit of Pep's system so like De Bruyne's mm-hmm. whipped in balls to the back post I just don't think you know 
Sterling has that creative mind um, to be able to make something happen himself as often as Rashford does, for example. And then from mm-hmm. what I've seen of Sancho, he's a similar stature, but he seems a bit more physical than, than Sterling. Mm-hmm. Um, and his main position is the right wing. So if you're saying that Rashford is the left wing, basically, and therefore Sterling's got to go to the right wing, but that's not where he's more comfortable and that's where Sancho is. So I'd rather not shoehorn the player in because, yes, they're a bit older and a bit more experienced. But again, anything can change with whenever this season gets started. Again, anything can change with what the season will even look like next year. But I think, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, Dean Henderson in goal, a back three of Wan-Bissaka, Maguire and Gomez, uh, with Chilwell at left wing back and Trent Alexander-Arnold at right wing back. Henderson and Oxley chamberlain in the middle with Sancho Kane and Rashford up top. I think that's a good combination of sensible, but also a little bit thinking outside the box. Um, mm-hmm. So, and obviously, I think Henderson it relies on him going back out on loan, um, mm-hmm. or even being sold. But I don't think he'll be sold. Um, so, and then you know, with that in mind, um, and kind of starting elevens, and, and let's you know um, get onto this final topic. Um, based on sensible transfers, let's say for example the season gets done and the new season kicks off in August and you know the transfer market is not too crazy um, in terms of no one making any moves but also paying attention to some there will be a fewer movement of transfers I think based on financial hits to certain clubs yeah. what do you think the United starting 11 will be next season for game for game <laughs> one for game assuming one. all transfers are done early and pre- and there's no preseason yeah. but they're they're ingrated into the team so yeah, game one. Um, God, this is hard because yes, I let's assume that there's um, reduced transfer activity. Mm-hmm. Um, you might argue that the team with the most revenue available might have an even better window because they can more readily exploit yeah teams that need the cash. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think. United ones, the Hayer in goal, Wan Bissaka at right yep. back. Uh, this is where it gets tricky because I think United in an ideal world would want a centre back, but I'll say Lindelof and Maguire. Yep. Luke Shaw left back, yep. despite everything I've said. <laughs> um, I think they'll buy a defensive okay. midfielder as their next priority position because I don't think they'll want to play. They'll they'll want to play Pogba and Fernandez. And I don't think anyone's going to have the funds to buy Pogba yep. this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll have to have someone a bit more defence-minded. I'm not sure McTominay is the right, quote, number six for that. Okay. I think Matic is a little too old. And I think Fred isn't the right fit. So I think United will look for a okay. CDM. So I think they'll, obviously, it's wishful thinking. They might go for someone like Partey at Atletico Madrid. Okay. Um, even though the United strategy of late has been to go young British bricks, yep. kind of um, tough tackling um, kind of players. So that's what I think. And then front three, Rashford, Martial, Sancho. I think United will get him. Yeah, Sancho. I think so too. It might depend on Champions League football, but I actually think United will get him regardless. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think he wants to come back to the Premier League. Um, I don't think he wants to 
have any difficulties for his starting spot in a team. And if you look mm-hmm. at this United team, even if you even if you said because I I see elements of Fred, for example, right, where if you just say to him, don't do anything else, just like be a poor man's Kante, because um, I think he has got he can he's got an engine, he can run all day. I think he is combative and he doesn't mind the challenge, and he's also willing to lay the ball off to to more, you know talented players in terms of passing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was someone like Fred and it was literally, because I think he also takes direction quite well too. And I think he's, if he's just told, mm-hmm. break up play, give the ball to Pogba or Fernandez, Break up play, give the ball to Pogba or Fernandez. And I think any one of those three players that you mentioned are good enough to fulfil that role. So I wouldn't be surprised. What I would like to do, and I'm going to put it on the page, is Thomas Partey at CDM, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised if the only signing we made was Sancho, and I think that's because Dortmund are going to stick at their asking price, and United are so Mm -hmm. desperate to get that right-wing slot filled in, and there is a young British talent um, to fill it, and I don't think Sancho's going to want to go to Liverpool where he's got a challenge with most likely Salah or Mane, because no one will be able to afford him then, really. Um, not going and these are the teams that have been spoken about as being interested. And then Chelsea, they've got Pulisic, they've got Hudson Odoi, they've got um, Ziek. They just signed exactly. So I don't think he's going to want to go there for a battle. I think he wants to be the main man. I think he wants the number seven shirt. He's got ties in Manchester, obviously from his time at City. I don't think he wants to go back to City, even though they have what was it, first refusal or first option or whatever. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think we will get Sancho. And I think even if it is something like 100 million, I think we will, we've got that war chest available for that, which then that's why I question whether or not we'll get Partey. And I think it's an opportunity for the Glazers now to say, look, we got you Sancho, but because we didn't sell anyone because no one can afford Pogba, the money just wasn't there to sign another CDM. But here's McTominay or Fred or Matic to play that role. I think we'd be okay if we didn't sign anyone other than Sancho. Um, yeah, I think we'd, we'd go up a place. Yes. Um, we'd still be categorically third best. Yeah. But I would rather they bought fewer good fit players with a view to maybe postponing that title challenge another year, if yeah. that's what it takes, than to throw enough proverbial yeah, exactly. and try and fix a team. Yeah. Like if Partey is going to cost us 60 million but we can get Declan Rice for 40. I'd rather we didn't get Declan Rice. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, signings are nice, but, you know, we could get someone, and I've heard his name suggested, like Samare. Um, who's he to play for? Uh, like Lille or Marseille? Or He's in the French League. Uh, yeah, Lille. Um, so we could go for someone like him and maybe, you know, maybe he's something like 35, 40 million. Um Potentially, I don't know what I don't know what the transfer market is going to look like. I think prices will have to come down. Um, but I think if we only made one signing, it has to be Sancho. And I think a lot of work has probably already gone in to get that signing wrapped up. Um, and yeah. I think they won't walk away from that really. So, all right, yeah. So you know, that's um, pretty much all the topics that we have for today. Uh, I think it was a good discussion. I think we've we've managed to stay sensible and realistic, but also, you know, have some questions about what the England team will look like and the United team will look like. And, you know, no one knows how how and when 
the Premier League or or any kind yeah. of football will return. Um, and it's just interesting to have that that conversation. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And um, you got anything else before we go, Doug? No, this has been really good way to spend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Support, um, in this black hole of a life, exactly. Um, so no, nothing to say other than stay safe. Yeah, exactly. Hands. Make sure you wash your hands.